Clocks on the stove. Clocks on the stove. Clocks on the stove. Hey man, I don't know what he said. Clock on the stove, but they better take their ass home. What's going on, guys? Merry Christmas. Welcome back. Clocks on the stove. Um, or happy holidays, because it's 2022 and we don't want to get canceled. Um, with us, very special guest, someone I've been trying to get on for a long time, one of my teammates, Ryan Arquette, coming off of uh, his second win on combat night, I think 2023 it was, same card I fought on. Um, it was like, what, 5-1 to one odds against you or something like that, 6-1 to one odds? 8-1. to 8-1 to one odds. Because like he had a BJJ purple belt, and you submitted him. So it is what it is. <laughs> Fighting again uh, versus a three and zero opponent, if I'm not mistaken, January seventeenth in Orlando at Combat Night. We got a bunch of guys and girls on that card for Kaizen. Um, somebody's O has got to go. You know right. how are you feeling going into this fight? First of all, actually, the fuck <clears> everything <throat> else. How fucking cold is it in Tampa right now, bro? It's nice though. This is my, not this is not nice, dude. My I hadn't been home like all last week. My AC unit froze over, so I just got the sliding glass door open right now. It's nice. Oh it's my like, gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah, you said that was fine. Yeah. So actually you probably like you're probably still feeling pretty fucking warm. Nah, gym was closed today. There was no sparring today? Nah. Damn. Did you get some work in though? Went for a run this morning. Nah, that's good. Outside. Yeah. You're crazy, bro. How is it? Wait, so like, what's it in New York? Because you're originally from New York. How is it like in New York right now? It's like, they got like a once in a generation storm coming or something like that. Like a snowstorm? I'm not even sure. Yeah, kind of, but it's more like wind. They have like 70 mile per hour winds right now. It's like a Holy cat shit. hurricane equivalent. Yeah, dude, it's this is like one of the coldest I remember it being, at least that I could recall living in Tampa. So let's oh. actually let's uh let's talk about that transition. How what how come you ended up coming down here? Uh, for school. So I go to the University of Tampa, and I just need to get the fuck out of Buffalo. It's like a it's like a one way road or like a dead end kind of place, you know. People go there or like people live there and then they stay there forever. So if you got a chance to get out, you got to get the fuck. Out. Yeah, it's like little town vibes, and it's cold yeah. as balls up. That's like basically Canada. Yeah. Basically, so fucking cold, dude. Now, were you fighting before you came down to Florida, or did you start in Florida? I was training, but I wasn't fighting. Okay, so when when did you like find out this is what you wanted to do? Like, when did you find your passion for this? Um, I started training when I was sixteen, but I didn't take it that seriously. I would say probably when I was like eighteen, and I first went to Kaizen, and I got that like welcome to the league kind of fucking teaching. Yeah. From, uh, from Pat Conlon. I was like, I don't know shit. <laughs> I thought I knew shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you came to Kaizen. You you saw like, all right, this is not like just watch TV and be good at fighting shit. And then in fucking four years, right? Or how many years? Three years? Training? Yeah. At Kaizen. Two or three years? About two. Yeah. And your striking just became like that. That's crazy. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Was it, was it like, when when was like that turning point where you realized you're like, all right, I just went from being like a fan to like, I'm kind of fucking good at this shit. Hmm. That's that's a good question. I don't know. Or at least like, when did you know you want to start competing? I mean, I feel like that's when you become like confident enough in your ability, right? 
Yeah. I wanted to compete the entire time. I always mm-hmm. thought like the only relying on yourself. I mean, obviously you got your team and you got your coaches and they play a huge part, but when you get in that cage, it's just you, yeah. you, you. And every day you gotta, you gotta wake up and outdo yourself from the previous day. And if you do that, how the fuck can anybody stop you? No, yeah, hundred percent, dude. Yeah, that's why like I quit football just to wrestle when I was in high school because I was like, there's so much politics in it. Like a coach telling me I wasn't good enough to start, and you're like he doesn't like this kid's better than you. Like what? What the fuck? Outworking <laughs> them and like I'm I'm performing better than them, but like I didn't meet the eye test. Versus in wrestling and in fighting, like it does not matter what the fuck you look like, you win or you lose. Like there's no bullshit. There's not like, oh, I think this guy's better than you. Then run it. Like, it's it's as <laughs> fucking A to B as you can fucking get. And I right. think that's why I loved it, too. I was like, no one can tell me you're better than me. I, you you either are better than me or you're not. There's no fucking blur <laughs> line. no gray area. Yeah, There's I no know. Gray. That's why I fucking – that's why I love it. And that's, like, one of the most beautiful fucking things about our sport, dude. Yeah. And I feel like there is, like – I mean, obviously, there's politics to an extent because of how fucking – it's on ESPN now. I never in my life thought MMA would be on ESPN. But there's not really, like, that right. many politics of it. Like, I think, at least for my sake, how I view it, one reason I stay hungry and, like, I love it so much is because, like, it's a lot harder, like, without the organizational aspect of, like, playing high school football to college football to the NFL. You know, it's more independent because there's not really, like, there's not really a straight line to the UFC or Bellator or PFL or, like, any of that shit. But it's also, like, I'm not going to say easier. I'm going to say more – it's easier to understand how to get there. Like in college, like it's really hard to get drafted and it's really hard to do this. Like like you have to be like perfect versus in fighting and like you still don't know if the team's going to pick you up or not. In fighting, if you win fucking 15 matches, you're going – if you win 15 fights in a row, you're going to the UFC. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like it's like it doesn't matter who you fight for. doesn't matter where you're at. If you are a fucking 15-0 and 0 professional MMA fighter, you're going to a major organization. Like that's how it is. It gives you the ability to carve your own fucking path, right? Yeah, like 100%. The, other ones, the, the path is already made, and you got to follow the, the blueprint. This one, if you're determined, you got that will, and you're going to impose it, you'll find a way. 100%. And I'm not saying it's not hard. It's still hard as fuck. Right. It's just like a little less blurry, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so let's talk, let's talk about that next fight you caught coming up. January 17th. <clears throat> 21st. 21st. I don't know why I keep thinking it's fucking 17. Uh, who Who's this kid you're fighting? Or man or whatever. Honestly, don't even know his name. Don't care. It's another corpse they're putting in front of me. I'm coming to take his head off. Do you know Do you know what team he fights out of or anything? Or you don't know? You don't even care about that? Uh, Vince said he's a uh, athletic striker. That's all I got. Yeah, we like that. That's good. That's good for yeah. you. Yeah, we like that a lot. We love that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, how are you liking that? What's it called? That one seventy. You feel you feeling good there? Yeah. So the time I had off in between my last fight and this one, put on some size. Been working with a strength and conditioning coach, Coach Freddie. He knows his shit. He's been getting me stronger and stronger. I feel it. I notice it. There's evidence in the reps and the fucking weight. Yeah. Feel good. Feel ready. Ready to go. Far. You feel like a like a more filled out seventy pounder now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, touching back on when you first moved down here, uh, specifically finding Kaizen, like, was that the gym that you kind of just, like, stumbled upon? Or how did you end up at Kaizen specifically? Did someone help introduce you down here? Or how did that situation find itself in your life? I think I just Googled MMA gym. 
and it was American Top Team, and it was Kaizen. Like, those were, like, the only two that were kind of relatively close. I went to Kaizen. That was it. Never well, even went had, to that. You had Gracie Tampa South, too, though, right? Yeah, I did go check that out, but it was just hella pricey. They wanted me to do the whole Gracie fundamental bullshit. You yeah, know that. Yeah, they want they want you to they wanted to lock you in for a three year payment plan. That's what they're trying exactly, to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Waste the first month doing guard pulls. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, no shot. Now, do you know what's it called? When you got to Kaizen, how, like you got this relationship with Vince. When like did he like you were you up front with him at like straight up like I want to fight? Like how did that conversation go? So I feel like you got to fight really quick from someone that just they started fighting. When I first got there, it was like August of 2020 or 2021, not sure. And for like the first few months, I just kept my head down, didn't talk much, you know, just showed up, grinded, was doing like two a days all the time, trying to trying to catch up because there's people that have been on the mats their entire life and I, mm. I have it. So I'm trying to make sure I'm getting the edge every single day closing that gap or even pushing the lead on it and about four or five months in he was saying you know how he does his little talks yeah 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 he did one after a after a grappling like slash mma class and he was saying he was looking to take on new athletes and that was as soon as he said that i think i was the first one to say something and then a couple weeks later we had one one and one opponent go get the job done okay um, one of the things I thought was pretty interesting, um, especially about your last card is kind of just some of the venues you guys fight in. What was it like fighting in a strip club? Cause like, I was kind of like taken aback by that a little bit, but I mean, it ended up working out. I mean, the venue was kind of dope. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a better menu. It, it, on, it, on, they honestly killed it for what they had. They honestly killed it. It was, I mean, I've only fought on WCFL cards. So like, it's the same thing every time. So this is my first like non WCFL card. And they honestly killed. The only thing that that was fucked is they tried, they tried to add more seats, the, like with tickets. And then when they set it up, the the venue, like whoever's in charge of like area space for like fire safety, they took out a third of the seats and tables, so it like shrunk it, and like people got fucked. Like my family got fucked with tickets because they bought a table and there wasn't even tables. They had to stand. Yeah. No, they had seats, but my dad paid for a table, like an expensive table. Yeah. And then they just got seats that were close to the cage instead of like a table. Wow, I would have been tight. I felt like I mean, what you what do you yeah you fought on other cards for like what did you think about everything? Uh, definitely better than going out to Orlando and staying the night with Lee Leo Code. Definitely better than that. And uh, that couch you were sleeping on, I don't know if you ever looked in the cracks, but there was money, pantyhose, condoms, all sorts. I I didn't sit back down on that after I yeah, saw. Yeah, I took off that nap on that couch yeah your head was right there too i was like i was about to wake you up oh man i passed out on that couch no that all right so the vet this isn't venue related but fighting in at at noon so stupid i hated it i hated it i they told us to be there like 8 15 i text ryan i'm like i'm not fucking getting there at 8 15 i was like i'm sorry bro you can't i'm not i got there like nine morning of to get there that early yeah that that early the morning of we get the weigh-ins were straight the weigh-ins were straight i didn't like yeah, start from the beginning. Wayans were straight, in my opinion. I also think they did a fucking very good job of promoting the card because I had interview after interview. I had fucking send your photos here, hit this guy up, like, and I don't, and I don't know. I've never had someone like yeah, I fought on two other cards, and I was a pretty big draw on them. And I never had this, and for this, it was like out the ask. I'm needing like 
James Lynch, who's a fucking professional Canadian professional MMA journalist, like all they did a great job promoting it. You know, they moved Ryan from the fucking prelims to the main card. That was a banger. Like they did good job with that. Wands were straight. It was fucking freezing though. And I was so like skin yeah. and bone. I was like, oh my God. Wands were straight. Um the venue we'd get there way too early. I got one meal in me, and then I fought at like like three thirty, four. Like it was stupid. We were just like up there just twiddling our thumbs. I had a mini um, pick. I thought everything else was straight. The cage was huge though. Biggest cage I ever fought in. Let's go for me. Yeah. 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 But it was <laughs> yeah. What did what did you think about it overall though? Besides the nasty stripper couch. <laughs> the weigh-ins were cool. I would have preferred to like not be in the same room as our opponents for like a long extended period of time while yeah. we were just sitting there. Um, actual fight itself, warming up. We had a good amount of space. We had that little mat. It's better than the other place I fought at. It was just like hotel, like conference room, fucking just the floor. So that was nice, even though it was like a old, just junk wrestling mat. It's better than nothing. Cage was good. Didn't fucking break. Held us up. So (laughs) as long as we didn't take a tumble, that's cool. It also the the canvas was nice. The last place I saw that it was like every time you took a step, it was like that wood noise. And I was like, Yeah. Just sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought, yeah, it was just big because the WCFL cages I fought in are like amateur regulation, they're tiny. And this one was like, I remember I walked in there with a lawn and I was like, dude, this shit's big. And he's like, whoop, still got to fight him. And I was like, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, talk, let's actually, oh, I'm glad Zach brought this up. Let's talk about your fight. Like, what did you think about it? Like, tell, you know, if you want to break it down to everyone, like how it went down. I was, I was upstairs losing my mind, by the way. <laughs> All Everyone else is looking at me like I'm a weirdo and I'm like screaming and I have my headphones on. Like, yeah, I was losing my mind. But yeah, talk, talk us through it. Appreciate that. Um, Warming up, like all of camp was feeling good, feeling good. About two weeks out, as you know, because when we were doing the shakeout, I could couldn't do shit. Blew my shoulder, could barely even keep my guard up to like my chin. And usually it's got to be at the temple most of the time with the right hand. So that was difficult trying to hit pads with coach to get that weight off. I'm like forcing myself to throw these punches and I know I shouldn't be. Had to, the night before sleep with like three, four lidocaine patches on just to numb the feeling and actually get, get to sleep. Yeah, we did the shakeout. You had the fucking, uh, yeah, those things on too. <laughs> yeah, I, I had like three, three of them. Yeah. yeah. Covered myself with them. It helped, but that's only a temporary solution for that shit. And it got me through the sessions, but eventually it just made it completely worse. Mm-hmm. But two weeks out, I'm making it to that fucking fight. I already did all the work. I'm making it to that fucking fight. Um. Uh, in the locker room, feeling good, warming up. Uh, Vince says, you know, like gives you a kind of a talk right before. Mm. He said, he either said swagger is on 10 or confidence is on a 10, and I wanted on 100. Once that music hit and we were in the back, and then they make you stand there on that stage for whatever reason, mm. it was on like a 1,000, dude. I was just locked in. All I could do was just tunnel vision like a parade horse. Speaking of speaking about the music, uh, what kind of music do you prefer to walk out to? Like, what really gets you in the zone uh, when you're stepping into that cage? Because I know Grayson, for his life, tried to switch it up. He walked out to Snoop Dogg, I believe, and that kind of yeah. like set the vibe for the crowd. But like, what are what are your kind of vibes walking into the ring? <clears throat> I heard uh, 
our teammate Chandra talking about it. And I think she broke it down kind of well. I never even took it this kind of perspective, but she one considers like where she's going. Like if she, I think our teammate Chandra broke it down best and uh, gave me a perspective I never even considered. I was just doing it like very selfishly, like picking a song I thought was going to pump me the fuck up. She was saying basically like to consider where you're fighting and what kind of music like they might or like just kind of like a crowd pleaser type song to get them on your side and cheering for you. Even like the people that didn't come for you and might be there for someone else to kind of sway them so when the fight starts and you're landing it's a close fight someone's edging it out a little bit you can sway them with all the crowd just cheering for you every time you're hitting them instead of them rooting for the other guy and giving them the the little like oh wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah no i like i like that i never i never thought about that my yeah. first two fights were like first of all my first two fights i didn't hear a second of my fucking song i didn't hear any of it like i i was like in the zone and my crowd was big like i didn't hear fucking shit but my first two fights were shine down like hard fucking rock, like yeah, hard rock. And I was like, I that's like I need to get because when I was younger and I competed like my whole life until like I graduated high school wrestling, my mindset was like kill, you're gonna kill, like like murder, like fucking, like I need to just get murder music and want to kill them. And as I've like gotten older and I'm, I've like matured more, I'm more like I don't want to feel like kill because I have the fire in me already. I don't want to build the fire more. I want to get loose. I want to be loose. Because I know, because, like, when you're younger, it's like, I have to do this, 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 and this, or I'm going to lose the fight, or I'm going to lose the match. I'm at the stage now where I'm like, I trust in everything I've done. I just need to be relaxed. If I'm tight, it's not going to yeah. work. You know, and I still have the fire in me. I'm still ready to kill him, but, like, I don't need to only be, like, screaming in my head. So I, I walked out to, uh, I walked out to uh, the next episode with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Dude, it was yeah, the most fun walk I ever had. It was the most fun walk I ever had. Everyone was like, Everyone was dancing and singing to it. And I was like looking at people and I was like, oh man, I'm loose. I was loose, you know? Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I was still like, I was still like, let's fucking kill him. Like, like we're ready. Let's go. But like, I was also like, all right, we're good. You know, let's have fun. Like, and that's like the whole reason we do what we do is to have fun. And I remember when I went in the cage, Vince, uh, Vince and Alana were like, don't forget to have fun. And they, they gave me knuckles. And right before I walked out too, they were like, swag to a thousand. Let's go. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, and that shit got me fucking this shit got me fired up. Yeah. yeah, I like I liked I liked having I do agree with what you're saying though on where you're at too, especially as you get like bigger. You're gonna want to play music that like the culture of those people know. You know, like if I go up to Boston, I'm walking <laughs> out of Dropkick Murphy, like a hundred percent. You know, like I'm gonna try to walk out to what the people like want to hear. And also like my brand, I'm the American Samurai, like I wanna build that brand. So like absolutely. I gotta use more American shit. Yeah, absolutely. I always I tell everybody once I fight like MSG Madison Square Garden. I'm coming out. I got this uh, on SoundCloud. This little like you know uh, Empire State of Mind by Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what your song you're talking about. I know exactly the, what you're talking about. The Frank Sinatra beginning. Yeah, I know exactly. I have it in my like yeah, fucking yeah. SoundCloud right here. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That would be hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The whole is place. This one is this one. Awesome. I can't even hear it. Yeah, is it pump? Is it coming out of your headphones? <laughs> Did you hear it or no? You put his oh. headphones up to the camera. Oh, like, well, it's this it. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, like, it stops, and then it just goes into the fucking Empire State of Mind. That should be tough, dude. Oh, no, yeah. my dreams, like, my so 
first of all, you're going to get taxed like 60% of your fight fight just by going to fucking MSG. So it's heads up with that. But <laughs> my dream is to fight in Amelie, which is like the temp, like, you know, the fucking lightning yeah. stadium. Cause that's where they do the UFCs here. My dream is to fight in Amelie and walk out to fucking Thunderstruck by ACDC in, in a fucking Vasilevsky lightning jersey. I think oh. that'd be the hardest walkout ever. Ever, because that's what the Lightning walk out to for their games is Thunderstruck, and everyone there would go nuts. Everyone would go nuts. Think about how crazy the Lightning would be, because they oh. already have the presets. So like, why can't they just rock it? Crazy, for you? bro! It would be crazy. Oh, and the Flash, that'd be fucking sweet. And I'm wearing a Vassy jersey, walking out with Vassy. That'd be fucking. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, Ryan, outside of New York, what do you think would be like a dream venue for you? Because I know you said you want to fight in MSG. Is like. A bucket list, but like if you could fight anywhere else, like globally, maybe in the states, like is there anywhere that you'd feel like would be a dope venue to really perform at? Abu Dhabi, um, sure. Vegas, and then going. Vince said the one day, joking around, he was like, "There's no better feeling than going to someone's hometown, their favela, and taking half their fucking win purse back home with you and sending them home with fifty percent of what they should have made." Like Conor so, McGregor and the whatever, Rio, whatever Rio, venue that Rio, is. Fucking, oh, I don't know if you were watching MMA then, but Conor, Mc, dude, like I, Conor now, yeah, he's he's a little, you know, not that guy. But like pure Conor before he was like a list celebrity. Holy shit, what did he make MMA fun, bro? And I was a Jose Aldo dick rider. I loved Jose, and he goes and does this press conference in Rio de Janeiro. In his hometown, it's fucking – they call – his nickname is the King of Rio, okay? Like, he is their fighter. He fucking snatches his belt at the press conference and then rips a poster of him in half and just starts screaming like like you filthy, like, bitches and shit in Portuguese. Like, crazy. Tell Jose I am his daddy. <laughs> yeah, bro. Or when that whole was, rivalry have was you ever seen what he does? Uh, the weigh-in with Jose? And he says in Portuguese, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And Jose's like, what? Oh, vamos. Yeah. Fucking tough, dude. Tough. All right. Now, what's your favorite What's your favorite music to practice to or, like, or like train to when you're listening to? Uh, the, I got two playlists. I got a hip-hop, and yeah. most of it is just, like, straight trap music. Like, Dirt. What else on there? 50 Cent, Lil Wayne, Ludfo, Old Drake. Anything that's got that, like, those thumping beats and I can just yeah. get lost in the music, you know? And it's got to be, like, murder music half the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, we're going to go kill everybody. And you're just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> you got it. And then, uh, like, rock, like, ACDC, some bu- like, a bunch of random songs that I listen to, like, as a kid with my family. Okay, so I have a hypothetical for you right now, okay? If you were going, if you were stuck on an island and you can only bring three albums of music with you, what three albums are you bringing? And this is the only thing you can listen to for the rest of your life with these three albums. Zach, you get ready. I want to hear what you have to say, too. Okay. Gotta look up the name of it. Hold up. I, got, I got y'all thinking now, bro. Blue Slide Park, Mac okay. Miller. Um, fuck. The Carter Four. And uh, 
Dude, I don't even know. I can I give you all mine right now. I know for sorry. a fact. Sorry for the wait, too. No, you're good. I'll give you mine right now. I'm taking. I'm also taking the Carter Four. Hundred no, percent. That's my. That was my last pick. Sorry for the wait. Oh, sorry for the wait. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm also taking the Carter Four. I'm taking the 2000s Tim McGraw greatest hits. It's the first ever album of music I remember listening to with my dad when I was like a baby. I know every single song, like because that's like the first music I ever listened to in my life. And then, third oh, one's hard, dude. Third one's hard. So I got rap, and I got, I I got country. I'm gonna need rock. I might take um, diversifying his assets here. I can't. I can't listen to just the same three genres for the rest of my life. I might. I I'm. I know what I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take fucking. I got it right here. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Sublime Sublime album. Okay. Who's that? That's Sublime. All right. It's got fucking. It's got what song does it have on it? Has what I got caressed me down. It's got Ruka. It's got yeah. It's got like every good Sublime song. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like for sure I'd have to take Graduation. Um, just yeah, because. dude. Yeah. Holy shit, we've been we've been blasting that lately. Um, I'm probably gonna do Astro World just because I feel like start to finish. I can that play. That is every- such a Travis Scott dick runner. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so much disgusted with that answer. <laughs> dude, I can't really like fuck with some of his newer stuff, but I feel like Astro World was like the peak, and then I just like stopped listening after dude, that. Astro World was not the peak. Birds in the Trap. Yeah, what Birds in the Trap was way dude. better. Okay. Astro World was more publicized and more like, yo, this album's gonna be huge. But on like pure no skips, birds in the trap, dude. What? Dude, that's, dude, that's the thing is like I have every song. Like I enjoyed the songs on Birds in the Trap more, but like on Astro World, I have every song added. I think except for like Who What, which was like the Migos one, which I was. That just one's kinda, tough though. What? It is no. That's the thing. It's still good, but like I just that was the only one I was kind of like, oh, I have the. Anytime I want to hear Migos, Travis Scott, though, I just specifically think of the Huncho Jack, Jack Huncho album. Like that, that album's tough. That album was one of the most underrated, in my opinion. But I don't know. I feel like I have to go outside of that. But the problem is, like, when I think of other artists outside of rap, like, I don't really listen to, like, albums. Like, I don't listen to a country fucking album. I just, like, know songs from, like, those artists, you know? Yeah, yeah I feel that. I feel that. But I feel like I'm going to have to ride with, like, those two specifically. By the way, Ben's playing uh, the Graduation album that the other day. Awesome. That's, that was a great way. Um, and since Ryan brought it up, uh, Ryan, who do you think your favorite teammate to like spar with or train with is? Like, who do you think pushes you the furthest and like really gets the most out of you uh, when you're? Um, J Mac, who hasn't been in recently because he's gotten a new position at Title, but we always he always he did, he did our he did our last camp with us. Yeah, he always beats the fucking shit out of me. And, like, very cordially, too. He was, like, just touching me. Yeah. Just letting me know, like, hey, I'm better. (laughs) He's helped me a lot, especially being a southpaw, like, dealing with him and long-ass arms. That's fucking – that's a whole problem on its own. And then you mix in him working with fucking Vince for how long, and he's a problem. He's a fucking problem. Beautiful striking on his feet, dude. Great movement as well. Also, Brandon Lopez, because that motherfucker is just superhuman strong. 
That's fucking Dude, you guys don't know who Brandon Lopez is. Look up Brandon Lopez MMA. He looks like a fucking creative fighter on UFC. Bro, like literally like, crazy. Like Michelangelo sculpted his fucking yeah. shit. Like crazy. He's uh, hitting flying knees. Like he's fucking oh throwing just the most wild shit. Just yeah. explosive as fuck. Fast twitch. Fast twitch. Amazing wrestling, too. Amazing wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, fucking, I can't even tell you how many times last camera he had me looking fucking down at the ground six feet up in the air, yeah. along with you, too. I got you two fuckers back to back, and I'm just getting tossed. Dude, we went to fucking war that camp. Yeah. I mean, you made my strike, you made me feel so much more confident in my striking, though. But we went to, me and Ryan, like, literally fought probably, like, eight times a week, like, for six weeks straight. Like, crazy. For six, six rounds, too, because we yeah. were Crazy kickboxing three MMA. It fucking worked, bro. I mean, obviously, I got tapped, but it seemed I was fucking ready. Dude, that first the first time we sparred and you were just throwing the fucking overhand compared to like when you were almost finishing up camp, completely different like level to it. Oh, dude, I know, and that's what I was talking to my dad about the other day. I was like, dude, I did. I've only trained a Kaizen like going into that fight probably ten weeks, and I jumped like a year's worth of my striking. Right. Like I've never jumped. Like I've never been as confident as I am right now in my striking. All I had was a jab and an overhand and I would throw a leg kick. That's all I had. And you now I like no combinations and like know how to read guys and like chain, like stylistic fights. I've never like, I never had that, bro. I never even had a real fucking camp before events. Like Mahmoud did a good job, but he wasn't like my head coach. So he didn't have like a full say when I was at ATT. But, how like, was ATT compared to, I know you've touched on it a little bit, but like, so I'm not gonna shit. I'm not gonna talk any shit because yeah, yeah. the guys there are my family, and I still love all those guys. Um, and I'm not gonna get into like the business aspect of it either. But um, what I will say is, I don't think it's a good idea for a coach to also be your promoter. I don't think that's. I I don't think you yeah. you should fight for your coach. Um, I I. There's a whole, I mean, I'm not going to go into why, but you could, you could just think of every reason why that shouldn't happen. You know, like, I don't think that should happen. As well as I did get better there. Um, I learned how to fight there. You know, I learned, I wasn't just a wrestler. I learned how to fight. Like, I learned how to brawl. Like, I learned how to, like, do all that. But if Develop it wasn't dog. for my mood, I don't think I would have been the dog I was. I think he brought that out more in me, and that's how I made my relationship so well with him. Um, but but I love those guys there and there are some dogs there. It's just, they're not as they're like, yo, let's go fight for fun. Where we're like, I want to like you and I are like, I want to make this my living. I want to do this for the rest of my life. It's not like that there, you know, it's just not. And that, and there's nothing. And you know, they, like I said, uh, Garcia has a lot of knowledge. He's been in the fight game for a long, long time. So like I did learn from him, but as far as a relationship with trust and, preparation and 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 going out of your way to sharpen me for a fight i didn't get that from him like i do with vincent mamoon and even alon and brandon i don't i didn't get that like i do here yeah shout out to vince for fucking throwing his body on the line every fucking day Bro, on top of that mamoon had to go back so during my camp i don't know if anyone knows this mamoon had a, an emergency his brother had an emergency open heart surgery and he missed the death of his parent of his mom or his dad one of them so he's like i can't Anything happens, I cannot be there for my brother. So he left like halfway through my camp, and I'm just like, "Well, I'm fucked." <laughs> I don't know. Like, obviously, no, I'm, I'm I wasn't mad at him at all. Like, family's before everything, you know. 
but it's right. just like i don't know what to do now and then vince texted me one day and like i would i didn't like not have a relationship with vince i just didn't really know him now. i was only there for like four weeks he was like i'm running your camp like let's do this be here this time and fucking crazy dude crazy if there's any consolation i don't think i had a relationship with vince for the whole like first camp i mean we did but it was like you know how he is. He's like very to himself and yeah. only speaks when he feels like something needs to be said. I kind of am the same way. I'm just, I don't talk much either. I don't got shit to say. So I don't say shit. And I don't know. We just didn't, didn't have that like kind of, kind of how it is now where we're just cracking jokes and just, yeah. You know Dude, no, I'm like boys with Vince now. Like I, I like literally would call him my boy. You know, yeah. what I mean? like, like when Zach was talking about the graduation, we went to practice Friday. I did not want to go to practice Friday morning. And Zach was like, come on, man, let's go to practice. And I was like, all right, we'll go to practice. And Zach's going for three days now, by the way. He's, he signed up. A boy. Yes, sir. Um. Anyway, so we go and I'm like so tired. I just slammed the coffee and I'm just like, yo, Vince, like I, he, only people there were him and Steph. It's like 830 in the morning. I'm like, right. yo, Vince, just run the graduation out for practice today. Like just run it through. And he was like, haha, yeah, okay. And he's just like hitting Mitch with Steph. We like we bow, we go to do our three minutes of uh shadow boxing. Yeah. Graduation comes on. It's like, good morning. And I was like, you motherfucker. And he played it the whole practice and we just jammed out to Kanye. And like I never, I never had that relationship at American Top Team. And I'm not saying anything negative about him because there are people that have a great relationship with him and he has done good things. But personally, I did not have that relationship with him. I could text Vince right now, like, and just say what's up. We'll just have a whole 30 minute conversation on about fighting, you know? And like when I first got to Kaizen and I first like had like an actual talk about fighting with Vince, because he knew I was a fighter. I I I cross trained there a couple times uh last summer with Shane, rest in peace. Um I used to go cross train with him a bunch. So I like I knew I knew Vince like a little bit and he knew I was a fighter. Like he, he saw he saw what I've done, you know, and he was at both my fights, like he saw what I've done before. But when we first talked about it, I was like, look, I want to be completely transparent with you with everything because that's how i am with my mood i was like these this is i do i train with this guy i do this i do like i told him about my trainer my schedule I was like this is my everything this is what i'm eating i was like i want you to know everything that's going on and he was like perfect and then ever since then i've never had like i've never been like nervous to say anything to him or like asking questions like, i felt like i have told him i've been completely transparent with him and he has with me too and i feel like that's one reason our relationship's gone so good and i'm the same way with my mood my mood is everything like you know so like i feel like with that that connection it takes you a long fucking way yeah, everyone's trying to, like, as a starting out fighter, especially, like, for you, like, kind of trying to find your home, like, permanent home, everyone's kind of trying to find, like, that that custody motto, like, fucking that guy that you just got that bond with, and you know that when it comes down to it, and you're making that walk, he coming into the fire with you, like, he, when we when one of us goes to war, we all go to war type shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Vince definitely has that, because he does it a little bit differently this time, but last camp and the first camp, dude, he would do all these wrestling drills with me, like getting there. Like sometimes we do it in the morning, bro. He's walking in, putting his neck like on a double leg, just having me stuff it 25 times. Like that fucking sucks. That's annoying. Yeah. Especially when you go home that night and you're laying down, you're like, fuck. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I think also maybe it's because you're not fighting a wrestler this time too, you know? Yeah. Did when you last camp, did you, how'd you do your camp? With him. So I, I, I'll give you a whole rundown for everyone that wants to know how an MMA fight camp works. So I would go Monday morning. I would go and I would go and lift with my coach, my my strength conditioning. Then about an hour and a half after, so let's talk about maybe like noon. 
I would go to Vince. We'd do one-on-one mitts. <clears throat> we were like, um, you know, we, I don't want to say like, in case, in case I fight him again, I don't want to say like exactly what we did, but like, yeah, leave out the secret yeah, sauce. Yeah. Vince, Vince broke it down and we knew, all right, we're better than him here. We're better than him here. He does this. Like, so we prepared for that and we right. would do like five to 10 rounds of like what felt at the time, like three hours, but probably like four to five minute rounds of just prepping. Like we'd start with head movement and we just do head movement with the things. And then we'd work our combinations that we're working for this. And then we're working the drills on, on the wall that we're working for this. And then on the ground that we're working. And it's like every day, repetition, 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 repetition. And just not like, not like anything intense, crazy. Like it was, a, I got, I got work, but like, it was just like, there was no wasted movement or steps. Every single thing we did in that 45 to an hour session, every single aspect of it was pre preparation, like perfect preparation. He makes you do shit until you cannot do it wrong anymore. Yeah, exactly. No, literally, literally. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying for this fight, it was the most confident I ever felt. Hardest opponent I ever fought to date and most confident I felt about it. Because I was like, I'm ready for every single scenario this fight can go in. Because I've drilled everything for every... We, I was ready for anything to happen. I was ready for any route that fight to go. We, I was ready for it. We drill, we've drilled it. But yeah, so then I would do that with him. Then Monday night, I go to the Bangmore Thai class. It, if I needed, if I felt like I didn't sweat enough or I needed to lose more weight, I would do the wrestling with Spano and I would just drill with him in the corner. But I usually didn't do that. Tuesday morning, I would do the MMA, um, my the MMA class, and then wrestling after my mood for the first time when he was there. And then right after the class, I would do the mitts, the one-on-one -on -one work with Vince. Damn. Then... At, in this camp, I'm like just this camp. Uh, Tuesday nights, I go grapple with Dan Martinez at Gracie Pack. At night, Wednesday morning, no on Wednesday, no work with Vince because we spar on sparring days. I don't do one on one. Right. Yeah. Wednesday morning, I I do my lift. Spar Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday same as Tuesday. Friday, AM lift, mitts with Vince, chill that night. Saturday spar, Sunday one on one, and that's what I did. Every single like for six weeks, six to eight weeks straight. What kind of lift are you doing on a on Sparta on Wednesday? Um, I usually when it's when I'm in camp, I don't really lift as I don't lift. So I'm gonna be honest. This last year, last year and a half, I completely stopped lifting super heavy, like stupid heavy. I don't yeah. do it anymore. I lift more functionality and isometric, which has benefited me. Doesn't stiff me out and it doesn't make me get injured like when I was lifting heavy as fuck. I used to think like. The best guys lift as heavy as possible. And my trainer, you know, you were talking about you have a great trainer. I have a fucking phenomenal trainer, Shane O'Connor at Sky Athletics. I've been with them since I was a sophomore in high school, you know. So he knows my body, like, perfectly. He knows what foods are bad for me. He knows how, what lifts I like, what where I have tweaks. Like, he knows fucking everything. He's known me since I was, like, 14 years old. So going into camp, we're lifting, we're lifting heavier because we want to get strong before. And then when we're in camp, we're training twice as much as we are when we're not in camp. I train year round, but like the intensity is turned up and there's more one-on-ones, you know, there's more stuff in camp. So it's a lot more like explosive work and like muscle endurance, but we're also keeping our strength, but we're not trying to get stronger. Like we're not trying to like get a Maybe. bunch of strength. Yeah. So like a lot of isometric, like a lot of Bulgarian squats, but with a pause at the end, like a hold mm -hmm. squats with a hold. I'll do like everything is a hold. Every, every workout I do is there's a, there's a pause. And it's lighter weight, but full, super slow extension, like all about control. And the more yeah. I've been working on control, I feel stronger. I feel stronger lifting lighter, but fully controlling the reps and pausing and getting the isometric than I did just like jacking up the weight. 
You know what yeah, I mean? I feel stronger. I can feel it when I train. Focusing on tempo a lot. Yeah, hundred, hundred percent. A lot of band work. I do a lot of band work with my trainer, and I also do a lot of like stretching and mobility too. Like, like I'll have a day where it's just a stretch, mobility, and cardio day. I'll go in. I'll have like fifteen stretches for me to do. Like five mobility workouts to loosen up my hips, loosen up my shoulders, and then a slight burnout with like that assault bike or rower. You know, like very low on my body, but it's very beneficial. Yeah, low impact, but the rewards are fucking huge, especially with consistency. I remember I couldn't even throw kicks with my lead leg now or back like when I was 17, 18. Now I can throw that thug rose up there like like nothing. Just yeah, snap. Zach, Zach went to practice and hit home with me on Monday, the fit kick. It bucked his shins up, kicking the bag, and he's been kicked in so long. <laughs> did you go to the like the first one? Yeah, we went to the fit. We did the fit kick. Oh, no, it was Wednesday. We did the fit kick, and then we did. Uh, yeah, you were there. We did the fit kick, and then we yeah. did like, the first like thirty minutes of the sparring, just like the drills. Yeah, yeah. By the way, one teammate that's like, I think clinically insane. Grayson always like points him out, but he's probably have like he has like the greatest gas tank I think I've ever seen. Oh, you're talking he, about Tyler. The yeah, you. yeah. Oh, he definitely is clinically insane. Yeah, yeah. he, <laughs> belongs, he yeah. belongs in even with foam blocks on his hands and feet. Yeah, y'all, y'all have some. I'm not gonna lie, like even being in there because, like, I know y'all touched on Vince being like a great uh commander of just like the room because, like, even like me showing up and just like first two three days in there not doing anything, like he'll still take time to, like make his rounds and like notice the small mistakes I make even by just a first or second glance, and then he'll go back to working with like Grayson and Sandra who like who's literally in the middle of a fight camp and she's like preparing to fight on this card in Orlando. And by the way, the women you guys have at your gym as well are straight murderers. Like I some they, badass women in our team. Yeah, holy fuck. By the way, the I went to a Muay Thai class and I was expecting it to be a lot chiller because I asked Grace and I was like, yo, you think if I do the Muay Thai, like I'll be able to stay for the wrestling after? And he's like, Yeah, it'll just be some mid work, you'll be fine. So I go to it and one of the girls Chandra ran it. Chandra ran it. Yeah, she murdered me <laughs> that entire class. And I thought I was gonna die and i texted grayson like right when we finished i was like i don't know if i can do that again i was like that i was like i could do i was like i could do more time i was like thank god we canceled the wrestling because if i were to double up i would have passed out cancel practice and you find out who you are <laughs> yeah, yeah dude, no i had i had a couple moments like that in camp because like i i had a, i had probably two sparring sessions where like it was it was just hard days you know like they were really hard i was really burnt out from the, the tuesday before like, I was just – they were hard. They were hard to get through. And I remember talking to Vince after. Like, if I if I had, like, a hard day like that at, at ATT and, and my mood wasn't there, no one was going to say, give a fuck. No one was going to walk over and be like, you all right, bro? Like, versus I have a hard day now, and it's like, I'm still working my ass. I'm not being a pussy. It's just, like, it's hard. Like, it's, it's a rough fucking day, you know? Shit's just not going your way. Like, whatever it is. I'll have like you walk up, you'll make me stand up, like stand the fuck up, or like someone will come over to me and give me a hug, and like I'm just like sitting there, and Vince sits down next to me, puts his arm around me, he's like, yeah, man, so this is what we need to work on, this we did wrong today, blah blah blah, and I was like, you know, it's just like I lost my dog, and this is what he said to me, and I I never forgot this. He goes, you didn't lose your dog, he goes, you just were in a place where there weren't a lot of dogs, and now you're with a pack, so you're not the only dog, and you're I think you're starting to realize it, and I was like, holy shit, that was some wise ass fucking shit. <laughs> You know, I was just sitting there like saying when he speaks. I was sitting there with Vince. I'm like, I'm like, can you write that down? Like that was hard as fuck. 
I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, bro. He was like, you were in a place where there wasn't a lot of dogs, and now you're in a place where there's a pack, and you finally realize you're not the only dog. And I was like, yeah, dog, it's crazy how how far the room, like the group of people that are there consistently, has came. Because yeah. I remember the when I first got there, best guy in the room was probably Shane or J Mac, and when I first got well, outside there, outside of Alon, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but at this point, he wasn't really coming to sparring, so I'm just thinking of like that room. Yeah. Um, I remember going with Shane, dude. Just beat the fucking shit out of me. Great like pace, every bro. Time. Dude had a great fucking pace. Dude didn't get tired. Or yeah. He got tired, but he was still gonna shoot, lift you up, put you down, and get to mount and try to kill you. Yeah, bro. Dude, Even I used to, uh, I went and sparred with him, and he just drowned me. Like Same. we went, we went. I think we did like three goes in a row and then we did like MMA rounds in the wall and for like the first two goes in sparring like we were just like he wasn't using his side we were just going back and forth I take him down take me down we're just banging I start getting tired in the third and he starts like taking me to some deep water and then we go on the wall and he just drowned me bro I couldn't I couldn't do anything like I, I was just like I was like not wanting to be there and he was just keep coming at me like his pace was relentless he was just making you work like, yeah and like, and like I'm like I'm like oh my god just beat me up and he's just fucking like oh so when you feel like a little bitch, you know what I mean? Speaking of bad days in the office at sparring, you, I don't know if you remember, there was one There was one Saturday I came in. I didn't sleep good at all, like at all. Had a long fucking week at school. Come in during the warm-up, the shadow boxing warm-up. Don't even have gloves on. My muscles, I'm like, fuck, dude. Like I'm throwing jabs and they're so lethargic and like not even coming back to my face. I'm like, this is, this is about to be bad. I'm about to find out what the fuck I'm made of. First round, first two minutes, I'm I'm done. Gash. Like no fucking blood flow going on in the shoulders. Everything's locking up. Nothing's flowing. I'm seeing shit, but I'm not moving. My head's in like stagnant the entire time. You were beating the fucking shit out of me, dude. And at one point, you were like you let off the power in like the second round. And I just like started walking at you, like, try and kill me. Try and kill me. <laughs> I was like, I'm at my worst right now. And if I don't die today. No one ever going to do it. Yeah, dude. So that's actually a really great talk. First of all, guys, also Ryan has beaten the fuck out of me multiple times. So I don't want this to be like I go in there and dog Ryan. But I I feel like that's something in our sport specifically in, in with wrestling as well. Any independent sport, like individual, where it's kind of like it's so much on you. You don't know what you is going to show up. You know what I mean? And like you can be fully prepared and ready to be like turn the fuck up and then your body's not responding. Your nervous system's not there that day. You have a kink that hasn't came out in your sleep or like you got a shitty night's sleep. Like you're a little more nervous than you thought, like something and you're not you. And I always battled with this when I was younger as an athlete. And I was like, I have to be me. Like I cannot, I'm any other version than this Grace and I'm fucked. And then I watched like uh, Dustin Poirier talk about it when he talked about fighting Connor. And they were like, how did you feel when he, when he beat Connor the, the, the first time? They're like, how did you feel, you know, going into it? And he said, I felt like shit. He goes, I felt so cold in the warm-ups. My feet felt so heavy in the cage. Like, I did not want to be there. And they're like, what the fuck? And he goes, the thing is, though, is you need to be ready whenever. You need to be ready to fight when you're not ready to fight. He's like, it doesn't matter if you feel like shit. It doesn't matter if you're nervous as fuck. It doesn't matter if you don't want to be there that day. Like, you're not having that. You have to be ready. Regardless of if you want to or not, you're fighting. So you have to be ready for that to happen. And I remember, and then ever since that, like whenever fighters talk about like uh, this, that, I think they're pussies. Like I agree with them. It, it, even if you're fucking freaking out, you still have to fight them. You have to be ready to fight them at all times, you know? And I feel like that's, that's 
uh, I don't know, remember how I started going with that, but like, yeah, that's, I feel like a really big deal in our sport is being prepared even when you're unprepared. When those days when yeah. you, you feel cold as fuck, but you have to still turn up. The days you don't want to are the days you have to, for sure. I got two things. I remember my first fight, Pat Conlon was telling me, if you got nerves, that's a good thing. Embrace them. Like, let them fucking work for you. Don't let them like consume you. And then I didn't even really like have nerves the first time. But when the kid came into the octagon, they all hit it once. And then I was like, nah, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Like, I'm good. Let them fucking work for me. Because that's that fight or flight. And you don't really get that with sparring until someone fucking hits you fucking hard. And then it, then it kicks. But for the most part, you're, like, super composed. And that, like, primal instinct doesn't kick in. It's hard to get to that to get to get that place sometimes in sparring, especially when you're beat the fuck up. Especially the... The Wednesday one, because I hit Monday and Tuesdays fucking hard, and then by Wednesday I'm like, fuck. I also think, and I, I had this conversation with with Brandon Lopez. I think Wednesday sparring sucks more too because like you had a whole ass day, and then you're at the end of the day you're sparring. Where Saturday you like you start your day off with that. It's a great start to your fucking day. You know what I mean? Like you wake up, you get, you eat some food, you get a fucking coffee in you, and you go fight, and then the rest of your day is cake. Versus when you're like thinking about it all day and you're like doing shit you're like fuck i still gotta go fist fight people tonight you know like i feel like it's just the time of day makes it different too dog i'd be in class like month or on tuesday thinking like dog i gotta fucking go get in a fist fight with j-mac and fucking brandon lopez two times tomorrow yeah. two fucking times and i got these fucking projects dude i got all this bullshit yeah. to do with school oh my god yeah, yeah. i remember I in high school oh, i'm sorry yeah. yeah i was just gonna say i don't Cause like when we did our first class, like morning class, cause I was so used to just going at night and I'd always be like, once I got off, I'd be like, fuck dude. Like I want to try to go to bed. But like, like you said, like your nervous system is like fully awake, but mentally you're just so drained and you want to sleep, but you can't. But yeah, in the mornings, like if you'd like just roll out of bed and go do that shit, like, yeah, it sucks getting out of bed and fucking trying to wake everything up and start doing it. But once you get it over with, you feel like you've already conquered the day. Like you got everything fucking taken care of and you can just do whatever you want to after that point. That's why but I love training in the morning, dude. Because you're like, you're like, I just literally fought human beings. What the fuck could be harder than that today? Exactly. Like, Starting off the morning with something difficult is so important, I think. So it kind of like dictates how the rest of your day is going to go. Like if you get up and you roll out of bed and just go do like, just show up, that's, that's lazy to me. Like if you wake up, make your bed, hit the journal, make breakfast, get your carbs and you go out there and fucking do it like you love it. Nobody fucking with you. Yeah. Nobody. 100%. Let's talk about some, some, uh, like big MMA news. So we got fucking Cheeto Vera is fighting Corey Sanhagen. I want to know your thoughts on this fight. Real quick, I'll give mine. Um, I think it's going to be a certified banger of a fight, first of all. And I'm very, very upset they put it in the apex. This fight needs a fucking crowd. And if I was them, I would also be very mad that I'm in the apex. If I'm Corey Sanhagen, I'm pissed it's in the Apex. Why? Because Cheeto's got – that's the smaller cage, right? The Apex is the smaller Yeah, one. yeah. Because Cheeto's going to stop him from circling out. Yeah. Like, he circles out wide. He kicks out. He L-steps. And then he circles out that way. This he's fast, gonna, too. It's like you don't see it. It's so fast. He's also not going to be able uh, – Sanhagen's not going to be able to circle the way he usually does. He's going to have to move to – yeah, he's gonna have to move to his left instead of his right, so they're not gonna be walking into he's his. Also, power. not gonna have room to like to like jab in and then circle. Like he has, yeah. to, like he has one direction he has to go. Yeah, yeah. Cheeto's gonna find him. Cheeto's gonna find his chin. 
It's only like he's just got that fucking one shot. Like he finds it. He's a sniper, dude. At one thirty-five, that dude's a fucking sniper. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of made a little video on this uh, yesterday because I think it's like not only like is the fight itself fucking amazing, but I think it sets up the rest of the division moving forward because I mean the way I see it is Aljo is probably going to move out of the weight class um, despite a win or loss for Cejudo because he's going to try to pave the way for because I don't see Marab moving up or down a weight to try to go win a belt. You got to stay there. Um, but for Dana's sake, you know, if you're, like you said, it's all in Cheeto's favor to win the fight, like the smaller cage, um, you know, Sanhagen kind of like what makes him a great striker is kind of going to be taken away from him. So Cheeto should win. And if he does, I think that sets up perfectly for an interim title shot between Sean O'Malley and um, Cheeto Vera for the rematch. I think that's got to happen. Um, you, <laughs> that's, why, that's why it's at the apex yeah. Yeah. Yo, yo, we're giving you the smallest fucking cage we can find yeah yeah we're just gonna make you fucking beat the shit out of each other you can't run we both know you guys have good enough ground game where you're not gonna really go at it and the fuck back up but after that it's easy pickings you just be like oh sean you've been waiting for a fucking year just sitting on your ass because we're not giving you anything oh here's cheeto again since it's technically the only loss on your record Dude, would blow that up in pay-per-views. Blow yeah. that up. Yeah, and like you said, Grayson, um, these guys genuinely don't fucking like each other, mm. like, at all. It's not like fake beef. Like, nah, they just fucking don't care about one another. So, like, it's not like it would – it's not like they would have to force shit talking on the mic. Like, these guys, are, these guys are both pretty good on the mic, too. Like, I know Cheeto's, like, one of those guys where it's, like, he's kind of shit at shit talking just because he's such a fucking genuine dude. Like, yeah. Some guys suffer that like they're such good fighters but they're also such good people that like they just can't sell themselves on the mic like people like colby even like kind of forces it a little too much but he's kind of gotten better at it um dustin like i think poirier uh is the worst when it comes to mic talk like i for him i'm just like dude you're such a fucking dog but like you just suck dude like no one shit (laughs) yeah you can't talk shit at all like it kills me it's crazy too, because you know he grew up fucking dealing with bullshit in Louisiana. Like, bro, he didn't graduate high school. Yeah, like you he know, got arrested he... at sixteen for what? I don't know, but he didn't graduate high school. That's wild. Uh, Cheeto's got the reach advantage as well by point point five, but San Hagen's five nine, Cheeto's five seven. So Daner Daner said it last night at the bar, the most perfect way uh, you could describe this fight. San Hagen is volume. Out the ass, movement, volume, volume, volume. But Cheeto, every single strike he throws has purpose. He doesn't waste strikes. Everything he throws is powerful as fuck. And I is think that's why he's event? so hard. What? Is it a main event? Yeah, yeah, it's five five, five rounds, which is amazing for us. They're both great in five rounds, though. But I think um, that's the thing about Cheeto. And like, and that, I think that's what fucked Dominic Cruz up. And this is what I was trying to tell someone the other day, and they're like, well, he doesn't throw that much, blah, blah, blah. He lulls you to sleep. He keeps it basic and boring, basic and boring. And then when you get like, all right, nothing's happening, boom, you're not, you're out. Like he, throw, like he fucking lulls you to sleep, slows it down, slows it down, and then just fucking lightning every time. He's very, very fucking stoic. Just mm-hmm. kind of walks, walks into the pocket and just stands there. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, he's not, he does not fear shit. Right. He's kind of he's kind of got that like similar similarities to Jan where he just walks forward, high guard, throw some shit. I'm gonna block it and I'm gonna throw back four punches twice as hard. Yeah, dude. And I love him because he's so fucking violent. He throws elbows like crazy knees, like he's he's violent as fuck. All of his finishes are like 
he broke Doc's nose. Like, he fucking, he's violent as fuck, dude. And he's got a good following because he does the fucking commentary for the ESPN Espanol. So, like, he's got a big Spanish following, too, because he's from uh, Ecuador, I think. If you think about it, though, this fight's going to be similar to the Cruz fight because Sanhagen, he can finish, but, like, Compared he's not to the, knocking Cheeto out. He can't knock. He has to be in the no, five no one has. So yeah. he's got to be perfect for 25 minutes. Cheeto's yeah. got to be good for one exchange yeah. to find that. So fucking, oh my God, this fight's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think that's another fight uh, you should make because if Dana really wants to, um, well, first I'll say this, you know, making Cheeto and Sanhagen fight on a fight night you gave him an excuse to fight for five rounds. Like it's kind of like introducing him to like that championship rounds atmosphere. Cause like, I think they've, of, both, they've both gone five before though. They have. Yeah. They both gone five. Okay. Well then uh, more specifically uh, in Sean's case, I don't think I've ever seen Sean. I don't think I've ever seen Sean fight five rounds. Yeah, why not? Why not throw Sean and Dominic Cruz uh, in a UFC fight night just for five rounds? Dom lost though. You can't give, you can't reward Sean by beating Peter Yan and Dominic Cruz. Yeah, I'm just looking at the rankings, though, but, like, there's no one else because you're not going to give Sean, Sean, I, I think you do the winner of this fight fights Sean, and the winner of that fight fights Marab for the title if if Aljo leaves. Aljo has to leave. This Dude, is both- by far the deepest weight class ever, though. Like, Bantamweight is fucking insane. What about yeah. 55? It's not as deep as 35, dude. 55 is not as deep as 35. Justin Poyer, Justin Gaethje, and Charles Oliveira are all not champion. Yeah, I understand that. But there's like – it's like it's like them four and everyone else. No. Bantamweight, the top 15 can like all beat each other. I don't know, dude, because even outside of the top – okay, even outside of uh, – well, first of all, you have Makachev, you have Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje. Then Darius Chandler, Fizayev. Gamrot, RDJ, or RDA. No, no, no. Fizev, Fizev, Gamrot, and them, they're not on the same level as Chandler and on them. They're not on the same level. Even Chandler is not on the level as the other four guys ahead of him. Wait and see. Rafael Fiziev is going to The problem is, it's like Islam, it's Islam and all of Europe versus everyone else. But you look at fucking 35, it's Aljo, Sean, Peter Yan, Marab, Cheeto, Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font, eh. Dominic Cruz, Yudong Song, Pedro Munoz, Ricky Simone, Umar Numargamedov. Chris Gutierrez, Adrian Giannis, and then it gets weird. But, like, up to 11, they're all fucking – they can all beat each other. Dude, I'm so tired of these Nurmagomedovs. Just another under- – <laughs> Yeah, just, like, another, like, slowly climbing the ladder to come to the top. Did you see what uh, Bobby Green said about the Dagestani fighters? Yeah, that they, like, take their vitamins. Yeah. He's like, there's a reason they're wrestling bears at nine, dude. He's like, if I was doing that, I might have a chance. I fuck with Bobby Green. I like him a lot. Dude, he yeah. got slapped. Yeah, he did, but he was winning that fight. I didn't catch it. I just saw the knockout, but he he fucking no. He they, they, he he was rocking Dober. Dober said it too in the, in the interviews. Like, yeah, I was fucking stunned. He's always I, in like wars. No, oh, yeah, always coming back. Yeah. By the way, Dober counting or uh, calling out Jalen Turner fucking awesome great fucking fight right there right that is insane because it's so easy because like what i fucking hate and honestly i feel like it hurts a lot of players the guys that just call out the money fight or the cash grab immediately after a win like i I understand it though like i understand it like and there's a shelf life on this shit 
Yeah, yeah. and they want to make a lot of money. So, like, I get it. Yeah, but Dover is, like, when you do shit like that, like, in Dover's case, like, that you just respect shows. It. Yeah, you got to respect that. Like, you're so for the fans, like, the diehards of it. Like, they fucking love that shit. Um, like, I, like, if I hear one more fighter call out uh, Conor McGregor, considering that man hasn't, like, fucking won a fight in forever, like, come on, dude. Like, I know his name's so big, but it, what are you proving? Like, yeah, but you're, the- getting, you're getting a f- good five to ten million if you're fighting Conor. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting bad bread but also i think you do i um ryan i want to hear your thoughts on the judging recently in mma and what you think about all that shit going on i feel like there's two solutions right you could either do open scoring and show the fucking fighters what they're getting what they're saying and they can still be shit but at least the fighter now knows he has to act like he he can't He's not in the dark about it. He knows he's down. Even with some of the fucking corners, dude, they're fucking idiots sometimes. They're like, you're 2-0, and then they coast the third round. Like, uh, I would that, rather you tell me you're losing to the 0-2. That, like that Patty fight. Jared Gordon definitely won those rounds, but that game plan in the last round, I think Dana said this too, like, stupid. Like, yeah, you're holding them, but fucking put a statement on it. Like, cement it. And then the other thing you could do is it'd be even harder to implement though. You could get fighters that are retired. Like I know Frank Trigg's a referee now. He could do it. People like that. I don't know who else could do it. Dude, Show I, I said, fighters. I said something like that. I was like, you make all the judges, former MMA fighters at any level, as long as they're a professional MMA fighter, they understand they've done it. Like they've, they've fought. All right. You make that happen. You're the UFC. You can easily do that. It's not going to be that hard. I gotta sneeze. Ugh. You do that. It's not that hard. And, and also, you, you implement open scoring, dude. It's the only sport in the entire world where you don't know if you're winning or losing throughout the sport until the end. And everyone's like, dude, if you if you implement open scoring, what this does is you go into the fight round one and say you were losing 50% of the round in striking and you were winning 50% of the round in, in wrestling. Like, straight up 50-50, right? Then you're the wrestler and you're like, all right, get them to win. You go, you go to the corner and you see your, you lost 10-9, all three judges. You're like, all right, fuck, they want striking more. It, you strategic, it implements strategy in the sport. You have to strategically change your game plan in the middle of the fight. You can do this in every other sport, but for our sport, you don't know. You know? And obviously, look, you should always fight to finish. You should never fight for points. Never, ever, 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 ever. But you should also know what the fuck's going on. It shouldn't be some random dude that's like, nah, that guy wins. Never done jujitsu never never been taken down just thinks fucking huge punches is all it is that's another thing what are the qualifications to be a fucking judge you gotta pass a test in a classroom yeah like what like also the scoring system i don't know how there's this account i follow on twitter but they do like uh cumulative scoring they add up all three rounds and they do like up to 10 that's how ryzen is in uh in asia ryzen fight league they're yeah. they're three rounds and they ju- they judge the whole fight. They don't judge round yeah, by round. That's how it should be. Yeah. <sighs> Doesn't really favor me. So <laughs> <laughs> he needs oh. he, he needs to coast that final. Yeah, yeah, I need I need those rounds, boy. But I mean, like if you look at it from like a street fight perspective, like if I get my licks in the first round, you get yours in the second round, and then I had you out in the third. But you were doing more damage yeah, or something. I, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I I'm like a gladiator. Because it's more – exactly. Yeah. It's more about yeah. who you are when you're both beat up, not when you're fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I get they that. Do, they do this cumulative scoring 
and it's like nine with like up to 10 with two decimals. There's been a bunch of times where it was like, that was definitely right compared to what the fucking judges do. So I don't know. Maybe if they did something like that, I don't know if they do their scoring different or they're using the, like, they're obviously not using the 10 point must system, but if they're still using the same criteria for scoring. Also, do you think the, oh no, I'm sorry, you go. What, how do they prioritize the fucking, like, does the judge, do the judges like just have their own opinionated fucking prior prioritization of the scoring? Like there's one judge think control is the most important thing does the other one think damage strikes thrown like whatever the fuck it may be like is there like a set one two three four like how to go down in the list so the way so this is actually an issue that happened recently um so mma fighting kind of released a story about this um doug crosby who kind of like runs the i think it's the nevada athletic commission or whatever that runs the scoring they had a they had him go out to um some MMA camps in Vegas or some MMA gyms in Vegas and kind of explain what they do, like what their judging is. And so they said the first criteria is damage. And then the second criteria is control time. But then when the fighters asked the judges, they were like, Oh, well, what is control time to you? Like how, what are you actually gauging as control time? Is it just like standing in the center of the octagon? Is it applying pressure? Is it winning exchanges? Like what is that? And apparently it caused Chris Curtis to literally walk out of the Q&A with these guys because he literally just wasn't answering the question straight up. He was just like kind of lawyer answering it where he was like dancing around. It was like, oh, well, like legality wise, like this is what we have to say. And like they weren't giving the fighters like a straight up answer pretty much. It pissed a lot of the fighters off because essentially what that showed them was like they don't even know what they're fucking doing. They're just a bunch of guys that are say, say like here are the vocabulary words that you need to know and that you're going to judge on, but you don't actually know what they mean. You've never experienced it. So you can't say for yourself. And that's what pisses a lot of these guys off. Cause like you can tell a guy, Oh yeah, look at control time. But if you've never fucking thought before, do you really know what control time is? Like, do you know what it's like to gain control in an Like, I don't think you can. So I think that's the biggest issue is you don't have enough guys that have experienced it to really sit down and properly judge a fight. Cause like how many ex fighters really go into judging or even, officiating not that many yeah not at all which i think needs to happen even most recently the uh it's not a one fc who what's this crossover event that's happening right now between the two events it's rising and who else oh bellator bellator there's a bellator champ that literally just came out and he was like we need open scoring like now he's like it, it'll allow fighters to dig in he's like i'm tired of fucking fights being up in the air guys losing their job he's like yeah i know at the end of the day, your goal is to knock a motherfucker out and like not leave it in the judge's hands. But he's like, if you don't even know whether you're winning a fight or not, he's like, you've seen too many guys be up two or three rounds and apply unnecessary pressure and then end up getting knocked out and losing the fight. Like that'll cost them, like you said, 50% of their purse just because like they're unaware of what's fucking happening. Like that's just like a, one of the biggest issues in my opinion, uh, especially now. Back to what you were saying about control time. 20 seconds on someone's back on the ground is completely different than like two minutes holding them against the cage too. Yeah. So like, would you differentiate that? I or think, like, like, I think when it comes to that, Ryan, it should be on the threat level. Like someone holding yeah. you on the cage, they're not, unless they're like a strong ass motherfucker, they're not going to knock you out this much distance. Like it's very, very difficult, but if they're on your back, they can submit you at any time, you know? So I, I do agree with that. I feel like it should be on the threat level of the control. The other thing I want to say is, I think we all agree damage outweighs control unless the control 
was more significant than the damage, in my opinion. That's the only way I would say. So, like, if you get a guy that, like, wrestled, like, Khabib someone, but he gets dropped in one round, I think that it should it, – if he completely dominated 14 of the 15 minutes, regardless of that drop, he should win the fight, you know? But I think if it's, like, 50-50, but one guy's beat the fuck up and one guy's not, like, a great example is Cheeto Vera versus Rob Font. Like, you give it to the guy that dismantled the other guy. Yeah. I agree. Um, another thing I was kind of seeing people throw out like suggestions is like they think every judge should fill out a report post fight to say like why they judged a fight the way they did. Or like, even you know what's weird? Like in most sports, you force you force fighters to go through a press conference, win or lose. Why aren't judges under the same criteria? We're like, they, they may not have to do a press conference. Why aren't they at least questioned for the way they judge some of these fights? Because like the other night there was that fight. Um, Fuck, I forget which one it was, but it was two judges scored at 49-46 in favor of another fighter. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. how the fuck do you do that? Like, what did you see? Like, I get a fight can be close, but are you, like, you had it polar opposite? Like, come on, dude. Like, that's a little fucking weird. What about but the guy that 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 rat, that uh, scored that scored the fucking uh, Bellator fight uh, with with Stouse and what's his name? Yeah. Sabatello. Sabatello, and then he scored the Patty Gordon fight the next day. Completely two, different. Two same style fights and judges them completely different. That's what I'm saying about this prior tri- priority list. Like he flipped his priorities overnight. Yeah. Overnight in not even not even 24 hours. He woke up on the other side of the bed yeah. and was like, fuck control time, dude. Fuck it. Dude, I had a weird dream, but like control time doesn't mean shit now. Like, I'm so sorry, Sabatello. It's crazy because they have so much fucking power over these fighters. Like, yeah. they control how their lives, like, the trajectory of their life. Like, part of their purse, the rankings, the potential fights they might get if they would have won. Especially a fight, like, how, and their mental. Like, putting in all that work just to get fucked by someone that's never even sparred. Yeah, that's never been punched in the face. Never never experienced, like, someone drowning you in grappling. Like, there's no idea. I've only watched, like, boxing. Someone with the ability to kill you, and you yeah. have no fucking say in the matter. They they can, and you have no idea what the fuck to do. Yeah, it's weird, dude. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest, and I'm, I might get some shit for this. I don't think the Patty versus Gordon fight was a robbery. I don't what? think. Look, 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 look. Let me explain my case. I do not think Patty won the fight. I think you give. Uh, I think it was what one and three to Gordon. Patty won. There was one round. Patty definitely won. I think it was the second one, but. Um, I scored it to Gordon, but Patty, and this is a very big thing for me, at least if I was judge, Patty's the one who brought the fight. He's the one that made the engagements happen. He's the one that went to Gordon to fight. Gordon just sat there. He like kind of stayed calm and stuff, but like he wasn't engaging. And I feel like if you're the one bringing the fight, you should be rewarded for that to an extent. I don't think Patty won, but I don't think it's like, this is the worst robbery in MMA. No, dude, I can name hundreds of robberies worse. But I just don't think that – I don't think it was that big of a robbery. To touch on that, when uh, when Henry Hoof came and did a seminar at Kaizen, he described two types of pressures. There's smart pressures, someone like Connor or Max, where they're in and then they're out. They're in, they're out. They're touching you, and then they disappear. And then there's stupid pressure like Gaethje before he, like, changed his style to trying to be more like peekaboo. And like Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, just walking forward the entire time as like a punching bag, just trying to go shot for shot and endure more. So to an extent, yeah, but 
I remember like halfway through either the first or the second, Gordon was landing at a higher clip and he was landing way harder shots mm. and he was landing punches in bunches while moving backwards and sticking and moving and making Patty look like he didn't belong there on the feet. Fun fact, Henry Hooft is Jared Gordon's striking coach. Didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, look at that. Look at these putting pieces together here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the fights I'm tending back to, um, specifically just because it's kind of that like animosity area with how important takedowns actually are. You look at that Yawn and O'Malley fight, and it's like, yeah, like. Sean technically did do more damage, which is the number one criteria they look for. But, I mean, Jan did everything he could do. Dude landed six takedowns, five minutes of control time. And now you're leaving it to where, like, well, how important really is takedowns in the sport? Because, like, we kind of saw Khabib made it, like, the most important thing with how he handled fights, just smothering guys. And it was like, oh, like, if you landed a takedown and held a guy down for four minutes, you pretty much won the round. Like, there's no debate about that. But then you see this fight, and it's like, oh, well, you know, O'Malley was at least throwing up, throwing up submission attempts and throwing punches from the back. Dude, I don't give a fuck if you have someone's back. They can throw as many punches behind their fucking head. As, that, that shit's like a love tap. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it, I wouldn't really consider that doing any damage, like, in my opinion. I don't know what y'all guys think about it. I just – I think it was kind of pussy. I'm a huge O'Malley lover. I just – even I was a little skeptical after that decision because I was watching it at y'all's fight because it was – um it was on y'all's card, and I remember like looking at the fights, looking down at my phone, and then I was like, "Oh, uh, fucking O'Malley lost." Or and then they did the decision, and then I was like, "I have to rewatch that." Like, there's no fucking way. I was so like, "That I." I'll go in real quick first. Um, if you watch old UFC, like like OG, like Spike TV UFC, the only way wrestlers would win is if they got huge takedowns. This like theory of control came more recently. Like, if you watch, like, old-school Matt Hughes, you watch old-school Rampage Jackson, you watch old-school Sugar Rashad Evans, you watch, like, the like the OG, the Brandy Couture, like, the first, re- like, actual fucking wrestlers in MMA, they were getting, they were suplexing, they were flaring doubles, they were fucking head and arm, like, they were doing huge, big slams and throws, and that's why they were winning with their wrestling. And those do damage, they're just way, way fucking harder to do. Versus now, and I think it's also because of the skill gap, getting closer to everyone with wrestling, I think now that you get, it's more of control. You don't see those. I mean, you occasionally do, but like your elite wrestlers, like your Islams, your Khabibs, like your top guys, they're not flaring nobody. They're just getting a quick double leg takedown and drowning you. You know, they're not suplexing like that shit. They don't do that. Demetrius Johnson's doing that shit, but like a lot of them aren't. Yeah. You want to yeah, think with the, like as the sport evolves and people are able to appreciate how difficult it is to hold someone down. I think the takedown matters less how you do it, but then what you do with it once you hit the ground. Like, if you're just going to hold him there, that's bullshit. You're not doing anything. You're like, are you trying to outpoint him by holding on to him for dear life, or are you trying to fucking finish this dude and get the fuck out of here? You don't get paid by the minute. No, I agree. Yeah. And I'm a wrestler, and I like even when I fight like Ryan or I fight anyone in the room and I, and I start using my wrestling, I, I go for a submission 100%. I'm never just laying on you. And like, I'm a very big believer on that. I fight to finish. You know, I want to win every single fight I finish. I never want to get a decision. I want to finish people. That is what I want to do. I'm getting that wrist right, and I'm trying to fucking smash your head. In the yeah, I'm trying to break your face with my fist. That is what yeah. I'm trying to do. Or yeah. fucking knees, elbows. I'm throwing everything. Yeah, 100%. Grayson, you talked about, like, the rule change back in, like, 2010, about how, like, old UFC used to be and now. 
you go and rewatch fights like uh, I think it was what Johnny Hendricks versus GSP. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. Okay, fine. I have another fight that we could talk about. Um, you want to talk about the UFC purposefully allowing Cejudo to beat Demetrius Johnson because they wanted to trade him away and they couldn't let him leave with the belt. So they just fucking like changed the criteria a little bit just to say Cejudo won. And then they were like, oh, yeah, but here's let's walk and we'll fucking take Ben Askren. Just yeah, get. well, best trade ever, man. We'll take Ben Askren <laughs> for Demetrius Johnson. It worked out for him. For Demetrius, not for the UFC. <laughs> I mean, Ben Askren, do we forget that he fucking died for all of our entertainments? That guy's still yeah, a no, I mean, te- that's a very good fucking way to look at that. They got a that's whole a new really fucking good- made up belt from. Ben Askren. That's a really fucking good way to look at that. Fuck, Ryan. If Ben Askren doesn't come to the UFC, Jorge never Jorge becomes, never exists. He never exists. Never becomes the superstar. Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman doesn't exist because he needed Jorge to exist. Never hits Leon Edwards with the three-piece and a soda and becomes this fucking overnight gangster to, like, household name, basically. Yeah. Damn. That's a great fucking way to look at that, Ryan. He was a sacrificial lamb. He was a sacrificial lamb. But I think if they brought him in four years earlier, he runs that division. When he was in his prime in Bellator and won, he finished every single fucking person he fought. He was just an American Khabib. Yeah. You can't compare him to Khabib. Dude, wrestling-wise, he's he's more credentialed in the sport of wrestling. Yeah, but he wasn't. Not as good as MMA, I agree. But Dude, Ben Askren is one of the best ever welterweights in MMA. He held a 1FC and a uh, Bellator welterweight championship beating guys like Douglas Lima and fucking other killers. He came to the UFC like 36. They got him way too late. He's even yeah. more one-dimensional, though, than how oh, He's very one-dimensional, yeah. He's, like, he, he cannot he's like, strike. His striking's dog shit. That yeah. spinning back fist against fucking Damian Maya was worse than Chael Sonnen's against Anderson. Hey, you don't okay. talk down on Chael's name on this podcast. That's so funny you say that. We literally... <laughs> Chael is like our prodigal, like yeah, I love Daddy Chael, bro. Do you know, God. do you know how bad Westland, Oregon is? I watched someone drop a gum wrapper and not even pick it up. <laughs> Dude, yeah, so Vendor Belfort actually thought that a bus was a horse, and I had to explain to him, no, it's a transportation device. It's not a live living horse. He was putting the carrot in the front of the bus like it was supposed to eat it. <laughs> Fucking the Garrett brothers, dude. That shit was dude, he's, he's doing the Bellator pre-fight with Cheeto. He's like, Cheeto says, I use my mouth to make money. The only person I know that used their mouth to make money is Cheeto's ex-wife. Yeah. Real oh. dude. Oh, Tito got so Oh, dude, he was so good. The best is the 9-1-1. Or, yeah, or would he Oh, go. yeah. Have you ever seen the one where he's doing the press conference and some guy walks up, he's like, how does it feel to be sitting in Chael's son's room with Chael's people breathing Chael's air? My oh. favorite is the interview with Ariel at some random fucking event. He's like, is this camera big enough to capture the biggest bicep west of the Mississippi? And then he said, <laughs> fucking hilarious, dude. Oh, my gosh. Or Darren Till. Dude, the Ariel roasts are awesome. When Darren Till asked Ariel if he fucking puts his nose in his wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's violation yeah no chael's a dude chael was a goat man he was the first bad guy he was the first ever no tito tito ortiz was the first bad guy chael was the he first like, so well. bad guy yeah if there's anyone to copy that is playing a character in mma it's it's chael 
He's the he was the first one that fucking. And he was good, dude. The thing is, though, he wasn't just that. He was good. He was really Bro, good. He dominated Anderson Silva for yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty three. I, I thought tapping out signified the end of the round. I did not <laughs> fight. I didn't know it ended the match. He's like, I thought I lost the round. <laughs> Undefeated and undisputed. Dude, and I remember when John Jones, someone backed out of fighting John Jones. They said they called the whole fucking top fifteen of the UFC, and none of them would take it. And they called Chael, and he's like, how many weeks I got? They're like, four. He's like, all right, I'll be there. And he got dogged, but he was like, I'll take the fucking fight. Let's bang. Like, Could you imagine that, taking a short fight against John fucking Jones, especially young John Jones, yeah, when he's throwing spinning elbows, flying? Dude, he comes out again. It's like 24 fighting for the belt. Comes out and throws a flying fucking knee in the first six seconds against Shogun Hua. Bro, he was 20. He was 2-0. He's the youngest yeah. champ ever. He's 20 years old. That's yeah. fucking nuts. But he was my age. He already defended his belt like six times. <laughs> Nothing, by the way, you want to talk about the king of shit talking when John, if you go back and look at any of those press conferences with DC and John Jones. Dude, they're so good. They're so John, good. John, hey, literally, you still like, there? <laughs> those are my favorite like, like all your training in your life is for fucking nothing. He's like, you are, he's like, you are, the dirt between my fucking toes. And then DC is like in a collared shirt, just like, come on, man. He's like, I'm just trying to fight, dude. And John's like, I fucking do coke and kill people for a living. Like, holy fuck. Oh, dude, that's my so favorite funny. was when, he, when DC was like, I'm going to kill you, John. And he's like, You think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me? Really, Daniel? Really? No, no, DC said that to John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DC's yeah, like, You think I'm just going to lay there? And let you just actually take my life in front of millions of people. He's like, you think I'm just gonna not try to fight back? And then he oh. says he said something cold as ice in response. He's he's like, fuck, I'm about to pull it up. Dude, another good one is is Nate, any Nate Diaz. Because the problem is I, the problem with Connor when he fought Nate is Connor is really good at psychological game gets in your head. He couldn't get into Nate's head because there's nothing to get into. So like, no Connor's doing all this shit to like get in Nate's head. <laughs> And Nate's just like, I don't give a fuck. Like he doesn't Nate doesn't care about publicity. Nate doesn't care about Nate doesn't give a fuck. And like he saw it and like he's like, You're over there playing grab ass in the park with the pony ha- ponytail dude. Like, like, what are you saying, bro? They did a they did an interview on Fox News. I don't know like what the context of it was. It was like actually Fox News. The lady asked him, like a just a normal ass anchor asked Nate what he was making off of the fight. And then uh, Nate was like, the fuck is this, the money channel? <laughs> I forgot what Connor said after, but it was fucking funny. Like, he gets paid whatever I tell him to pay him. Oh, my God, dude. It's so fucking funny when, like, he wins and he gets in the mic. He's just like, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, fucking gangster, dude. Gangster. Right, dude. I thought if I'm going back honest, and watch it. The amount of fucking left hands I think Nate Diaz won the second fight. If you look at like if they were to go, if they were just to keep going, who would kill the other one? Oh, Nate would kill them. Gonna be Nate every yeah, time. Yeah, he would kill them. He doesn't die. Yeah, he would kill them. Got that but, Mexican. But I think that it was close enough that they needed the Connor legacy to live on, so they gave it to Connor. But was I Rod- thought I thought Nate won it when I watched it. Was Ronda already fallen from fucking grace at that point? Too? Yeah, Ronda was already like no longer in existence. Who KO'd her shit first, Holly or Amanda? Holly, Holly was the first one. Yeah. Could you? Yeah. They thought. Oh, you, know you know what's crazy is Holly. 
Polly murked Rhonda murked Misha. Misha then got murked by Holly, and then Holly got murked by Misha. So crazy. And then Amanda murked Misha. I used to be the biggest Misha Tate fan. I wanted to marry her. Me too, before she popped the kid. Uh, I used to fall. I used to love her. I was big on Mackenzie Dern too, and then fucking kid came out of nowhere, dude. It's always the fucking Mackenzie Dern faked a fucking accent, dude. Isn't that fucking wild? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. And you have a crush on her? I mean, uh, yeah, but make it for me too. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, facts. I think that's so stupid. That doesn't get fucking brought up or made fun of enough. How are you a fucking fighter and you gotta like pretend to be someone? Because she wants that Brazilian background and like support and fans. You <laughs> back to fucking chill. Anderson lives in a rented mansion in Los Angeles. He speaks nice. English. <laughs> Could download an app for six ninety nine on my phone. <laughs> Dude, he's everything he said. It's like he spent hours rehearsing and oh, like no, no, he's ready all for the it. fucking things. Dude, you know what's sad though? You ever see like after I wish he would and they were like, um, "If you could talk to your dad right now, what would you say?" And he was like, "I tried. I tried so hard." And he starts crying. Yeah, I love that. Fuck me, man. I love Chael. Fuck you for making Chael son cry. But hey, man, I think we're uh, coming up to the end of this, Ryan. Do you have anything you want to say or give any shout outs or anything at all? Um, yeah. What's uh, real quick, both of you, what's your favorite fight of all time? Dude, I have a long list of this. Fuck. Any organization, any sport, could be boxing, could be kickboxing, or just pure wrestling, jits, whatever. Dude, I feel like I want to be basic. Say the Lawler McDonald fight. I feel like that's got to be the fucking like what makes you fall in love with the sport. Like, and especially fucking Rory's quote afterwards as they ask him about it. He goes, So you want to be a UFC fighter? Fucking nose isn't on his face. He's just like a goddamn warrior. Looks like like Voldemort. Yeah, no, just the best part about that fight is fucking Robbie walking up to the center. They both walk and meet at the fucking metal. Or, um, fuck, what Max Holloway fight was it where Ortega was it where neither of them sat down? They fucking stood up. Like, that was Dustin. No, that was Dustin Poirier. Yeah, yeah, that fight, that fight was a dude. That fight had the co main event was Izzy and Gaslam, and the main event is that like banger, bro. Banger. I would biggest, say my oh. biggest upset though, we were all at uh Grayson's place or uh at Gunther's place and we watched Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunez. Yeah, that, that was nuts. That was the most hype I ever got for an upset in my life. I was fucking losing it. I would say watching live, like not going back and not historical, like the fight that I watched live that I at the time was like this is the best fight I ever watched in my entire life was probably uh John Jones Gustafson one. Yeah. I was just like coming in off. Of I was like, I was like, John Jones just got brought to deep water. I've never seen this in my life. This Swedish dude just took John Jones down. A fucking Olympian couldn't take him down. This Swedish dude with no wrestling just took him down. John Jones never trained up until after the fight. He I never the fuck. It was a banger of a fight. Absolute banger of a fight. So good that you don't even think you have to train for a fucking professional fucking top. No, of the not, not any like the highest level, like the UFC yeah. World Championship, the highest I'm absolute level. Super Bowl. I'm not gonna train. All right, Ryan, what's yours? What's yours? Um, probably, probably Connor versus Mendoz. 
because he was getting fucked up by Lillard. By the, by the dude, he blessed, was, dude. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna be honest with you. They they blessed Connor by giving giving him Mendez on like a five week camp. Yeah, but then it was supposed to be Jose. But yeah, Jose I know, I know. But I'm saying like they purposely made sure Connor didn't fight a wrestler on a full camp. I mean, they gave him Seaver before that, and he fucking Seaver's not a fucking real wrestler, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Chad like, Mendez is a bred born American wrestler. And look what he did to him. Yeah, he starts to. Yeah. But hey, Ryan, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, have a blessed Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. We don't judge. Um, <laughs> and I'll probably see you in the room this week. Zach, you got any words of wisdom? Um, honorable mention to uh, Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva. Which one? <laughs> Gotta the be. First, I, the first. I, the 2010. Yeah, not the second one. Not the second yeah. one. Final show, put him out. Just shout out that fucking fight. Chills the fuck. Chills the fucking man.